Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Say It Loud Network and Mino Lion Media presents Business First. Hi, all, and welcome to another episode of Business First with Sonia Aline. I am your host. And today we're going to talk about a subject that I'm really passionate about. It's related to mindset because I believe that mindset is everything. And so it doesn't matter what business you are going to start, what enterprise you're going to open, how big a legacy you want to create. It all begins with how you think about it, the perspective that you have around it and what you believe is possible. And so whereas I'm not a sports enthusiast, I really do believe that sports is one of the best metaphors for in in terms of how it relates to mindset. I believe that athletes know exactly what it takes to win. Uh, They understand that they have to bring their whole selves to the game. They have to prepare mentally as well as well as physically. They understand that they're always pushing, you know, their their limit. Their biggest competition is themselves. And at the end of the day, failure is not really defeat. It's really an opportunity to relearn what you're going to do and how you can kind of re-enter the game. And so here with me today are Jamal Hill and his coach Wilma Wong. Jamal is a para-Olympian who has earned his spot on the U.S. Paralympic swimming national team in 2018. He's part of the Paralympic team because he manages a rare hereditary neurological condition called Charcot Marie Tooth, which he discovered after his paralysis and recovery at age 10. He also fell in love with swimming at a very young age, and he had plans to compete in the General Olympics when he met mental wellness coach and swim consultant Wilma Wong, who took Jamal from an unranked amateur number one in his category within a year. And so they are here today to share their dynamic story and journey together, their strategies for success, and how changing your mindset can possibly help you change the game and how you play it. So I'm excited to have Jamal Hill and Wilma Wong with us today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. How are you today? It's beautiful. It's a beautiful <laughs> it <is> day. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see it. The audience can't see it, but it is quite beautiful where where you are. So I want to thank you. I know that you just came from training and and were able to, to, to pop in and sit with us. I wanted to, I'll start with you, Jamal, to tell us a little bit about your background, how you found mm-hmm. out that you were, you had this disease at, or this, mm-hmm. this disorder at age 10, your your love for swimming and, and what led you to find Wilma. And then, I mean, you two really work well together and also want to hear about Wilma's story in terms of, from, from what I understand as well, it was your personal journey to wellness that, that helped you create this company, um, this business. And so, and the lessons that people can learn um, from your journey together. So Jamal, we'll start with you. At age 10, what happened? Yeah, yeah. Um, Age 10, I am at Thanksgiving dinner, probably about eight months before I had quit swimming um, because of a shoulder dislocation. Uh, The nine years before that, swimming was the only sport that I had ever played. Um, from from mommy and me on through swim lessons, on through swim team. Um, You know, so now I'm age 10, Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, My arm falls asleep. 
my other arm falls asleep, my legs fall asleep, and I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know, something is not right here. Uh, so uh, before dinner starts, you know, I, I tell my dad, hey, you know, something's not going on. Something's not, literally something's not going on right now. Uh, I, I can't even pick up a fork. They carry me to the car. We go to the local hospital, run some scans, some tests, get transferred to another hospital. And it turns out that I have a type of hereditary neuropathy called Charcot-Marie tooth that affects uh, the function of my peripheral nerves in a uh in a deflamed state, but in an inflamed state, which I experienced out of 10, I can experience pretty much just like complete neurological failure throughout my whole body. So, um, you know, I'm a 10 year old laying up in a hospital bed, uh, you know, fairly talkative. The nurses weren't all that entertaining. Um, but really I could only turn my head, you know, left to right, up and down, run my mouth a little bit. I had senses, you know, so someone were to flick me or to hit me, I could definitely, my pain sensation um, was there. But in terms of like motor skills, in to outward, you know, being able to wiggle my fingers or pick up my arm um, or even stand on my own really for for a small period of time. All that was off the table and out of the window. Uh, so that that's what happened at 10. And so, yeah, that that kind of it was a, it was definitely a shell shock. Like I said earlier that year, I had been pulled out of swimming, which up until that point was probably my favorite thing to do on the whole wide world. And uh, quite a year, almost like 2020. It was like 2020 at the age of 10. And so your your road to recovery, you were able to mm-hmm. to to fully not fully gain um, all of your senses back, but for the most part, you did. Definitely, um, I don't know nature, God's grace, all of the above. Uh, I don't think it was anything that I necessarily did, or the doctors didn't give me some type of medicine. Uh, like I, I tell people, I can uh, I related to just like inflammation. Um, so. In that inflamed state, I was in this, you know, temporary paralysis for a few days. As that inflammation reduced, pretty much I was left in this new body. So from my elbow to my fingertips, I retained about 30% nerve capacity, uh, which is, you know, kind of like a danger warning. You know, Jamal, don't lay in bed and text with your phone over your face because it's a good chance you'll drop it and you're too pretty for that. And then uh, from my kneecaps to the soles of my feet, about 0% nerve capacity. Um, so for me, that it, it feels like I'm walking on my knees at all times. Uh, so like jumping, sitting, squatting, standing, you know, obviously my feet and my, and my lower legs are physically there. Um, but they're almost like a, like like a human prosthetic in some ways, because I'm only I'm only working things from the knee up. And so b- before we talk about how you met Wilma, Wilma, I'd like to get a little sense of for the audience, like what was your journey to starting your wellness and, and coaching business? I used to be in the movie business and I was a camera assistant and uh, I had this, I was working on American Pie 3 in, uh, and what happened is I got this urinary tract infection that just never really went away. And it started me going out and fix, trying to fix it. And it's just learning more and more about the body because really we can have all the money in the world and our business is going well, but if we don't have our health, we can't run our business. We can't live well and it's this quality of life. So I, I became more and more interested in doing healing work and energy work and diving deep into the world of the mind and healing and the body, the body, mind, spirit, and how that 
sort of the triad of mind, body, spirit affects everything in our lives. And could I could help people see where in their lives that they were in or not in alignment with their mind, body, spirit, and then optimizing that for, for human performance. So Jamal, you had at, at some point on in your journey, you had decided that you really wanted to compete. You, you went back to swimming and you really wanted to compete at, at the Olympic level. And so tell us a little bit about the training that you went through and your frustrations, because it was a very frustrating process for you. After which you met you met Wilma. That process really uh, picked someone back up as a sophomore in high school uh, at that point. I definitely wasn't thinking consciously like I'm trying to go to the Olympics. That that wasn't on my radar. I didn't have that as a goal in any in any way, shape, or form. It was just a love of the sport, a love of the activity. Did that through high school. Turned down a bunch of academic scholarships because I didn't have swim teams. Um, so I ended up going to a D3 school. I swam there for for about one to I swam there for three years. But I think it was my sophomore junior year that I really started to take it more serious. Like the the amount of time that I was obviously spending being a student athlete on a collegiate level, massive amount of time, massive amount of, you know, scheduling and time management required. It was my junior year uh, that I had gone to championships. And again, this is before I met Wilma. Um, I'm in Ohio. My parents come out to watch the swim meet and, you know, it's it's a poor performance. You know, that, that's that's the that's the cleanest way to say it. It's a poor performance. Um, really had never been so embarrassed up until that point. You know, I had never felt so robbed and cheated, and felt like in some ways, like the only person I could really blame was myself. Even though I felt like I had done everything I could, and so it was at that point of feeling that heartbreak and, and discouragement that I was like, man, you know, uh, nothing has ever really kind of hit my heartstrings like this. Maybe I should just try and make this my career if I care that much about it. And so that's when, uh, as a junior, I decided to uh, drop out of college and at that time pursue the dream of becoming an Olympic swimmer um, and move back to Southern California. And so and who did you work with then when you moved back to Southern yeah. California? Yeah, for sure. So, so I moved back to Southern California and, and I started training with the uh, USC Trojan um post-grad swim team. So, you know, athletes who were not students, but were high caliber Olympic, uh, Olympic and national level swimmers. Yeah, I found that coach. I just like, you know, prior to coming back home, I, I researched where are the best sprint coaches in the world? Cause I'm a sprinter. How can, how can I, how can I get the tutelage that I need to get to get to where I need to get to? So I came, I trained with them. I trained with them for a year. Um, mind you, up until this point, no one knows about my neuropathy. Um, I've developed, you know, really impressive compensation patterns. I do a great job of hiding it. Lord knows I never talk about it because I don't like making excuses. Um, and this is kind of the mindset that I have. So after a year of training with Trojan Elite, after Three years of having trained in, in college at a D3 and three years before that having trained at um, an inner city high school in Los Angeles, I felt like, you know, I had spent seven years now and I was not a whole lot faster. And uh, at this point, I'm just hyper focused. I'm frustrated. I'm at my wits end. So I know I'm not going to stay at Trojan for one more year after this because I haven't gotten results this first year. And as fate would have it, I go to a swim meet, uh, really kind of the last one of that season. I think this is spring 2017 now we're talking about. Swim against one of Wilma's uh, former slash current slash former athletes. <laughs> uh, his, his name is Luke, and uh, we swim against each other. Kid blows me out the water, but afterwards we have a conversation 
and we have some some similarities in our origin story. He's like, listen, you got to come meet my coach, Wilma. I think she can help you. And, you know, the rest is <laughs> the rest is where we are now. All right. So even when you were competing with him, so mm-hmm. was it the neuropathy that caused the your frustration in terms of not being able to compete at the level you thought you needed to compete? Was that part of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a uh, it's a fine line of delusion between um, really kind of between like empowerment and and depression. Um, there's a fine line of delusion there, that fantasy, you know, I know definitely right sports and business, you know, it's it's all so much the same. Right. The stories that we tell ourselves, right? Like, I may not, you know, come around. I may not have a million dollars right now in my bank, but an affirmation of mine is that I am a millionaire, right? So, like, in some ways, that's delusional, right? It's obviously not a present reality, but you're claiming it. There's a fine line between that and when you actually go to your bank presently and you go to pull out 100K and you're surprised (laughs) that you don't have the money in there, you know? So, so that's what I was working with here. I, I definitely, in, in one way, it was a, uh, it was empowering to me. Um, in, in the shark Marie tooth space, humbly, I, in some ways, I'm like this anomaly, almost like this superpower in terms of what ability I have been able to. I don't even want to say retain, but what uh-huh. ability I've been able to develop through my compensation patterns and just like being hard headed, essentially. Um, but yeah, at the same pace, working with other coaches, training, you know, measuring myself against what was this unrealistic expectation that wasn't accounting for all the factors and variables. A hundred percent. I was coming back to my neuropathy and, um, and, and I was, I was delusional about that. You know, I didn't want to acknowledge its presence, which is why I never spoke about it. Um, and which is why, you know, it, it was when woman and I trained together for an entire year. Um, before we even talked about it, and she's the one who brought it up to me. So what? Did, I, would, I I thought that was fascinating when I, when I learned the story. Uh, so Wilma, what was it that you saw in Jamal that made you question and say, "Hey, is there something else going on here?" So he would get out of the car like a paraplegic, uh, not paraplegic, like someone who had, didn't have legs, uh, or they or their legs just didn't work. So he would pull them in the car with his hands. He'd grab his his back of the hamstrings and and pull them into the car and he would do something similar getting out of the pool and the only other person that i'd really seen do that was my cerebral palsy client and he would get in and out with his braces or in a wheelchair and so when i saw that i said are you not telling me something because something is not right here because you should be dropping time and there is something going on. And he goes, funny, you should say that. I go, what? Because I have Charcot Marie tooth. And at that time, I had no idea what that was. So I had to look it up. And then I proposed, like, you really should think about the Paralympics. And he was not that receptive to the idea because at that time he was gung-ho, I'm going to go make the Olympic team. So then we had some guy come from England join uh, to, uh, we have guest swimmers from all over the world come over and he said, mate, you should join the Paralympic movement because I just dove, I'm already a meter ahead of you. And that was just off the dive. So I he goes home and he cries because your goal has now just been shattered. I'm not going to be an Olympian. And it it's been the best thing that's ever happened. Him being part of the Paralympic movement has given him a platform in which he's able to to 
to be, in a sense, like a superhero because people in Charco Marie Truth, a lot of them can't walk anymore and he can still walk and he can still move. It's a testament to his ability as an athlete to basically give the, the illusion that everything is just fine. And by the way, he will never, ever get out of the pool or the car that way again. After I said that one that time, and that's the, wow. that's where the pride, right? That, that drive that I will never do that again. He has never once got out of the car or the pool that way. So it's a testament to his persistence and his drive to, to keep on going. And I think where this connects to business and he's an entrepreneur and he's a very good businessman. And one of the things that I think with athletics and business is athletes, really great athletes can set a goal. And if they're really driven, they can see the metrics. It's the same in business. You're looking at your metrics. You're looking how well you're doing and you're giving yourself a grade every day. So and he has the goal to swim to 2028 and we're only in 2021. And so he wants to swim 2028 in Los Angeles when the Olympics and the Paralympics comes to our city. So that gives a, a long range goal, right? That's an, that's an eight year plan going out mm. into the future. And how many businesses do you have a five year plan? Do you have a 10 year plan? And are you meeting all these milestones? So that's been been really you know if if anything for business is like we should be looking at ourselves and, and I took a flow class when we are in flow and we love what we do and hopefully if you're in a business that you love what you do that you get into flow when you're there, whether you're sitting at the computer and time just flies and you don't know that it's gone or you're writing your book or analyzing some data however whatever in your business and you lose track of time you're in flow and it doesn't matter if you're in flow in swimming or flow in your business. You just need to like challenge yourself 4% better. And then if you can do 4% better, it's just hard enough. It's like a game, right? I think even athletics is a game. Business is a game. If you can challenge yourself 4% better every day where it's not too hard, but it's not too easy, and it's just enough, it's like that sweet spot of challenge, then you're going to get the best performance out of yourself. So the, the key to really being the best is to have a long-term goal that's, that is attainable, but also have smaller ones where it's 4%, just 4%. And however you guys want to measure it, whether it's like sales or something that it doesn't feel too hard because I think when it gets too hard, we get discouraged. And right. if you don't make progress, then we feel like, well, why am I still doing this? And do you right. want to close your business or like, or you have to, to, in his case, like he pivoted, right? He went from Olympics to Paralympics and, and, and that pivot has been the best thing that's ever happened to his life. So we have to know when we're in business, are we hitting ourselves, going down the wrong track and missing what's pretty obvious to pivot and rework yourself and rebrand or find a new niche that serves your business better than the way it used to be. And I think that's that's a, a perfect um, analogy because pivot was the word for or the word for our time since the pandemic. And so people have had to figure out how to do that. And so, Jamal, I, I want to talk about like your mindset from being disappointed that it looks like I may not be an Olympic, an, an Olympic star to 
all right, I'm going to try this Paralympic thing that okay. people are suggesting to me. Because that you you were um, disheartened by that suggestion. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Sonia. If if I may, quick quick note, real. I got to say this for all the listeners. You guys are getting a real treat today, Sonia. I got to tell you, I was so excited when you're like Jamal. I want you and Wilma on the show. Anyone who listened to this and is hearing Wilma talk right now, you're like, oh, man, this lady knows her stuff. Like, I mean, what's well, I've, been, I've, I've been a fan before I met her. Just listening to you talk about her, I've been a fan. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that she's here. This is a treat. You guys are getting the secret weapon, you know, front and center. <laughs> Usually we only get this behind the scenes. So, so this is a real treat. But um, but back to your question, Sonia, that sentiment, right? Like, what what was that pivot like for me, Um, you know, after... It's interesting, like, you know, obviously, not obviously, but, you know, I guess time to change it. But I'm a man. So often, you know, I hear this saying that, like, you know, this, this men kind of have this thing where it's like, you know, they'll wait on a ship to come. And if that ship never comes, like, they'll just stay there standing on that dock as opposed to, like, moving on. Like, they'll just harp on that one ship that didn't come. And, you know, uh, I think it's just in some way, like, it's just it's a testament to the people that are around me. Um, you know, obviously, like we all make our own choices, but we're, we're all massively influenced by those that we choose to be surrounded with and that we surround ourselves with. So having that disappointment of not being an Olympian and at that time considering Paralympics and really athletes with disabilities to be, you know, <laughs> you know, all, all BS aside, less than Olympic or fully able-bodied athletes in the sense of like, I didn't want to be categorized as that, um, not any sense of less than humanity. It was tough. You know, it was tough. Like I'm going to say, like I went home, I had to think about it. The first time it was brought to me, I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. Really, I don't want to talk about that. The second time it's like, well, man, in the past five months, who people have said this to me completely unsolicited that no one in the past 12 years <laughs> has said. So there's definitely something going on here, you know? Like, I didn't really have an option to just keep my head in the sand about it. Um, you know, so just with a little bit of, a little bit of introspection, a little bit of prayer, like it was an easy decision to pivot, you know, it was a no brainer. It's like, listen, this is an opportunity. It allows me to continue to pursue my dream. It allows me to, to, to live into more of my own truth, but that also set its own challenges, right? Like, um, just, just cause it's simple. Don't make it easy. Right. So for me to really thrive and flourish. And, uh, I think, you know, the narrative that I hear so many people fall into is like, oh yeah, I'm successful, but I'm not happy. You know, like, oh, I'm making all this money, but God, like there's no fulfillment in my work. You know, that's the last place I wanted to find myself in. So for me, that required literally pulling back some layers of Jamal Hill, dropping this armor, dropping this, this false pretense that there's nothing wrong with me in the, you know, there's nothing wrong with me from, from like, uh, from a neurological perspective and accepting that is like, even though I may not, you know, be this person over here, that still doesn't mean that there's actually anything wrong with me as a person and I can still be loved and accepted and deserve to succeed and go after my dreams. You know, obviously this is just a snapshot of it, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but uh, that, that was really the journey and it wasn't just like a one day, you know, like weekend excursion, you know, business retreat. We're talking about a process that happened over months. Um, we're talking about times where I won a first national championship as a Paralympian and, you know, behind closed doors, I wasn't even proud of it. Like I didn't feel like I deserved it. 
obviously I knew I belonged here, but like some part of me felt like part of me felt like I didn't deserve it because I had trained my mind to, to, to this fantasy for so long. And it's like also just being in that realm of invisible disability. Uh, when people look at me and they see me, you know, unless you have a trained eye, you're going to wonder, well, what the heck could possibly be wrong with this guy? Like I'm seeing muscles. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, He's swimming here, you know, he's tall, like, well, well, what could be this guy's problem? So I definitely didn't want to be perceived as a cheater. Um, I didn't want to have my integrity questioned. And, and again, like I was still just battling, accepting me and who I was and all that came with that. So so uh, it was worth it. But uh, it was definitely, you know, the process. It was a process. There were tears. There were there were lots of harsh truths and, and honest moments looking in the mirror um, and, and, and revealing parts of myself even to my close family members, to my coach, to my friends that I had never revealed before. And, uh, you know, to, to my surprise, honestly, like, it went great. Like, people were really accepting. <laughs> you know, People were really accepting, like, to this day, you know, I mean, maybe somebody's saying it behind my back quietly, which, you know, I have no control over, but nobody has ever, you know, openly questioned um, my diagnosis or, or the challenges that I have faced and I've had to overcome. So, so I'm really grateful in that sense because that was one of my biggest fears. So Wilma, what does that what does that look like for someone to start as as Jamal said, kind of peeling back and looking at what's really possible and deciding that all right, I'm going to pivot. I, I, I'm not going to do this, but this looks like it could be a, a really good possibility for me. And so, what what is that process in terms of moving from this and 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 doing something else? Well, there's a great saying where the mind is in the body mm-hmm. and the body is in the mind. And if you really think about that, right, when we say the mind is in the body, when we're dealing with health issues, oftentimes it's our thinking that is affecting our body. And people don't think about, oh, well, my knee hurts or, uh, you know, things aren't going well in my business. Or it's like, is it like even our business is kind of like our body. I don't think people realize that, but it's like, because we put our heart and effort, especially if you're an entrepreneur, that is your body because you put your heart and soul and t- you're really, most entrepreneurs are working 24 hours, seven days a week. It's like, it honestly, a corporate job is easier than being an entrepreneur because that's your baby, right? It, it, and so if you're on a corporate job, some people are working 120 hours a week. Some people are only working, you know, 40, but the people who are really working and, and, and their mindset shows up in the body or your work because when you're experiencing any kind of difficulties or pain, pain is a signal that you have a weakness, a weakness somewhere around. And it's talking to you. The pain is talking to you and you got to go like, okay, so pain, what, what are you trying to tell me? So, you know, if, if it's your knees, like, well, well, if your knee is hurting, Maybe there's a weakness somewhere down the line. Maybe it's actually your foot, right? Or so in, and how I look at it in business, like if you're having a pain in some area of your business, is that a weakness that you're not addressing, that you're just kind of ignoring? Okay. Like hopefully the pain will just go away, but it keeps staying there. And we keep going, well, maybe like we have a habit as humans, like, let me just ignore this. And then we finally pay attention when we can't move anymore, right? When you are, you're limping. And isn't that the same metaphor for business? Like we finally have to actually pay attention 
to what's our pain in our business when we just, it just, it, you know, it disables us from moving forward in our business. So it's, it's all really just a metaphor. It's the same. So, and then the body is in the mind is if we can make our body stronger, then it affects our mind, right? So it goes both ways. So there was this thing that I was doing with, with this, uh, called the activated and you're really working on the three zones of the body, which is your breathing, your diaphragm, your, uh, psoas, which is the windows into the soul and your glutes, which is the drivers to move forward. And a lot of us will compensate. And if you, like if I, if I made you, Sonia, jump really high, and if you thought about something positive, you'd jump high. And then if I told you, Sonia, think about some bad thing going on in your life, maybe some bad business stuff or like, like maybe in a bad relationship and you, and I make you jump or I make you squat, you're, you're going to jump lower. It's like, it's a heavy weight. That's why it's like, it's the, the body is in the mind and the mind is in the body. And then we do this exercise where we're making our body stronger and just by making your glutes stronger, even if you think of the negative thoughts, your body will jump higher again. And what that means is that we can make you more resilient even with through the body, even if your mind is not thinking a positive thought. Right. It, that's a, it's, that is, is so significant. So what we're really trying to do when the traumas and we're always having traumas, like business is full of like right. you know, a lot of roadblock. You got a lawsuit. You got all this stress coming at you. And look, 2020 was like just a hard year for so many people. But if you can make yourself resilient, even with all the bad things that happened in 2020, and turn that around in your body first and then move, then think of like, well, what do I have planned for 2021 or 2022 moving forward? And can I get an alignment with my body for my business goals, for my sport goals, for my life goals? And if you can get your body in alignment with your mind, then you're going to go forward. But we say things sometimes where like, I'm going to make a million dollars. And if your mind says that, but your body doesn't believe it, you're going to find you're going to create weird roadblocks that you would never have considered. And we do it on a subconscious level. So the thinking mind can say, I want a million dollars. I want this kind of revenue. I want this kind of growth. But if there's a part of you, like Jamal said, that doesn't believe you, right? There's a part like, yeah, I won, but I don't believe it. You're going to find ways if you don't clear all that stuff out to like not really make your next level goal, right? You've heard all those stories. Well, okay, your body, you know, you're at a hundred thousand dollar level employee. If you don't feel like you deserve more than that, then you will never make more than a hundred thousand dollars. That's your glass ceiling. So then, then you get comfortable. Okay. Now I'm at 150,000 and And then if you're not comfortable there mentally and body wise, then you're not going to keep that money. And if you want to keep growing your business or growing as an athlete or growing in your relationships, it's body and mind. Are we in alignment with what we think we want in our goals? 
And does your body agree with that? Because if you're having pain with your body, you better double check your goals. And so, so I want to stay with the, the, the strengthening the body for a minute because it's one of my favorite analogies with, with athletes because they do train mentally and physically. It's not just, and a lot of times business people, we focus so much on the business that we, we easily neglect who we are. We easily neglect our health and what we should be doing to take care of it. And so what you're saying is, which, which I think that people are hearing now even a little bit more from the medical establishment, that if you can strengthen your body, that you can actually keep better in alignment or keep better alignment with with the goals and the work that you have to do or the things that you have to get accomplished. Well, yeah, because if your body is in pain, if we didn't neglect it and we suddenly have high blood pressure or whatever, all the stress, if we don't learn to de-stress for our business, from our business, then we're not going to be able to keep going. We will burn out, right? Same thing for athletes. If they don't have recovery, Tom Brady has huge on recovery. That's why he's the GOAT, right? He's been able to have a long run. He's, he's the GOAT because he takes care of his body. LeBron, well, he's, he's a little bit injured right now, but I think he spends like a million dollars on, I think 1.5 is what I heard on his body. But now granted, his body is his business, right? right? However, like if we don't treat our bodies in that same way, exercise, eat well, sleep well, these are the three main things. If you do three things, if we don't take care of those things, how are we supposed to show up for our business? We can't. We won't have the energy levels to keep going. Right. And, and again, are we, are we here for the f- two years? Or are we here for 20 years right. for your business? And if it seems so that it's just a quaint saying, you know, health is wealth, but it is like the prop by the time you're sick, you're going to pay someone a lot of money to get your health back. So why don't we keep our health on hand from the very beginning and know that health and wealth are companions? And we all know that people who have money can stay healthier, right? But, but it should be also the, the reverse. Like we are, are we, if we have, are we healthy, then we can be wealthy. But we should not take one at the expense of the other because we all want quality of life. We want to be able to live well and enjoy the life that we have. Um, so both of you, take me through what a coaching session looks like. And I, I know Jamal has explained this to me before, but I actually find that fascinating as well. So when you get together for roughly, how, how long is a training session? About an hour in the pool an and about an hour outside. Okay, yeah. So what happens in the pool when, when you all get together to train? So we do a very specific race pace. And the reason why I love it is it's all metric based. We do the same thing over and over and over and over, literally the same thing, the same time, the same intervals. And so I can have data. I can have data to see our metrics. I know when he's improving and I know when he's not. Then it also tells me, are you getting sick? Are you getting tired? Do you need to back off? Because it's literally the same thing pretty much every day. And it seems boring but it's not boring because if you do the same thing, then you go, well, okay, I'm getting better. Now I can drop the time a little bit. And then we keep dropping the time and you get excited by seeing your metric improve. And that's where the motivation comes from. Like I'm getting better. 
So you can show up day after day knowing you've improved a little bit. And so then your hour out of the pool, what does that look like? That's also working on micro things. It's like you're just working on the scapula and, and, or, or just the hips and working on building those micro. I think the difference, what you realize the elite athletes are working on such minute details mm. that that's what makes the difference between an amateur and the best, right? The best are so focused on the details and what small thing can I do to be better? Mm. And with the, with younger or less mature athletes, you'll find that they're just there and their brain is not there and the intention is not there. But we actually do very little in comparison to a lot of other swimmers. Very little are, um, we're probably doing 10 hours of swimming and working out and they're probably doing 20 to 30 hours of actual uh, work. But the difference is we're trying to keep a business going and be a great athlete. And those two things require their own separate amounts of time. And I believe that you can do both. You can be a great athlete and you can be a great business person and entrepreneur, but you have to be very intentional. And all of it is very thought out and optimize so that we're not wasting time. So you're saying that if you if you're more intentional and you're very specific about the goal, then you don't have to spend as much time because you are focused. Absolutely. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know if this is something I would imagine something you still do. But one of the things that um, Jamal had told me about your practice, which I thought was interesting, too, that you spend a fair amount of time visualizing. And right. so if you could talk a little bit about the importance of that, you know, we had someone on um, the show recently who brought up the Roy Disney story um, that by the time they had opened up, you know, the, the amusement parks, he was no longer here. And um, someone had said to Mrs. Disney, uh, you know, it would have been great if if Roy could have seen this. And her response was he did see it. That's why it's here. And so visualization is a really powerful tool that I know athletes use as well, but it's something that could really benefit those in business. Yeah. So a lot of the people who make gold at the Olympics, if you listen to them after they've been interviewed, will say, I've already practiced winning a thousand times. So whether they're you hear like skiers or gymnasts, they've practiced winning that many times. And I think for any goal that you have, if you do it in your mind enough, you begin to believe it. Because there's there's some studies where your mind actually can't figure out whether something is real or not. And uh, sometimes, because uh, if you if you visualize enough times, then you, for example, um, you can in basketball you can practice your your shots and if you do let's say 10 physical free throw shots and versus people who practice it in their mind and people who don't go do it at all well obviously the people don't go do it all don't do well but but the ones who just practice it in their mind do almost as well as the people who physically went to practice and if you add in physical practice with with visual practice, then it, it goes, I think it's, you know, 10 or 20 percent better. Um, and what we can do a lot of the times is uh, I love to use videos and video is great. And I I'd highly suggest it if if, for example, in your business, you wanted 
I don't know, a piece of real estate property that you wanted to acquire, you just keep looking at it and, and, uh, put a video of it. And I think if you put a video with emotions, it really brings your mind and mind, body, spirit as if it's already happening. And so for Jamal, we will sometimes show videos. Well, I take a lot of video to see, you know, so he can see what he's doing, but also to watch other swimmers swim and say, okay, this is what this person's doing, embody it, and then go out and do it because we have mirror neurons. So if there's anybody that you admire in business, what I would suggest, well, I mean, some people read books, but if you can just emulate them, see how they function, see how they move, see in your mind, and crazy enough, I mean, I've heard people channel, it's like, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm Roy Disney. And they, they start acting like Roy Disney. And it's, it, it's a very interesting thing. Or I'm going to pretend I am Elon Musk. And they start really even acting in a business way like they are that person. And it's, a, it's, it's like I said, there's, a, there's mirror neurons in our bodies that can copy successful people and we can really use that in our it doesn't matter like if you're doing sports or business you can imagine things and make it happen and but I think the key that people don't practice enough is gratitude so if you're grateful for the business that you have then you're in the state of receivership to have more business or if you're grateful for whatever it is in life that you have, then more of it comes to you. And it seems like a very weird thing, but you, then, then some people go, well, what about that, that horrible businessman that I was working with who was just not very kind? And, but like, it doesn't really matter. I think when you work from gratitude and, and Jamal can attest to this, like when he's grateful, miracles happen for him as an athlete and, and I, even in his business, in his business as well. I think Jamal, do you want to speak to that? Yes, Jamal. I was going to ask you like how the visualization and how, how does the gratitude, how have you seen that as you implement it? Number one, when it was introduced to you, how did you even receive the implementation or the suggestion that you should do this? In terms of Wilmana, like since, since we've, you know, come together, you know, in, in the athletic relationship, business relationship, the only time I've ever really been like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not really receiving that is the first time she said you should go to the Paralympics. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, you know, like I definitely, you know, like uh, you got to debunk the myth of the solopreneur, right? Like, if you're going to have people on your team or even myself as an athlete, if I'm going to go and seek and place someone in the position to be my coach, well, then it's my job to appreciate them, to take their word for it, whether or not I, whether or not they're infallible is irrelevant, right? But like when woman brings something new to me, like I'm extremely receptive of it, uh, you know, with the minor with the minor exception of the first time of the Paralympics. And that is because, again, like the same way the Chiefs chose to take me on as, you know, her athlete, like I chose to take her on as my coach. And so there's a certain level of, in me trusting her, there's a certain level of trust that I exemplify in my own decision-making abilities, right? Like 
whether or not we would always do things the exact same way. It's not about that. It's about, uh, you know, really just like playing your role and knowing that you don't have all the answers and really not allowing your ego to get in the way, which um, I would say like, you know, not, not to toot my own horn, but I think I'm pretty good at that in that regard. Um, but when we talk about gratitude um, and, and you know, like uh, how, you know, the sparkles start happening, right? The magic happens when I'm in gratitude and we're all in gratitude. I think I've obviously I've experienced gratitude and the magic happened but like sometimes you know like the lessons stick more uh the, the losses stick more than the victories so it's like it sticks out to me in my mind the most of the times where I was living in a lot of ego. Um, you know maybe not in you know maybe not in my discourse with my teammates or my coach or my relationships personal relationships but I was living in a lot of ego in a relationship to my sport, living in a lot of ego in a relationship to my business. You know, for example, there's, oh my God, like, I don't want to say too many times to count to make it sound like I never learned my lesson, but up until I have kind of learned my lesson, like there were so many times that we would be having a great string of practices and I would just be on cloud nine, you know, like I'm going best times or in practice, like, oh, that meet's coming up. Yeah, I'm probably going to break all the records. Um, I'm probably going to do this, probably going to do this, probably going to do this. Just, you know, and in the moment, it doesn't feel like you're being egotistical, right? It doesn't feel like you're coming from this place of lack of gratitude. Um, but, but in hindsight, I would go and I would compete. And guess what? Not only would I almost never perform as good as I was performing prior to it, but it would like usually be, I don't know, I don't know how to say like even worse to something that's like, you know, this kind of esoteric idea. Um, but it would be worse. Right? And it would hurt even worse because it's like now, you know, there was this great exaltation of ego and now I'm not in the winter circle, you know, so I've fallen back down to earth with a big thud. And yeah, after, after just like hitting my head, hitting my butt, my side so many times after, after coming off that, it's like, I just take it every day as a bit of gratitude. And I mean, you know, like, uh, obviously you guys get it, right? I don't got to give a bunch of examples, but it's like, uh, that is what helps to keep me, to, to me, I find like, I find the most gratitude and humility, you know, like just taking every single day, right? We got this year planned for eight years. We have a strategy that's being developed and has been developed. So it's, we're not flying by the seat, but you can still only take one step at a time. And so with that, you know, like one well, mantra that I've that I've taken on lately is, you know, never too high on the highs and never too low on the lows, you know. So it's like today it wasn't a bad practice. I don't really believe in bad practice anymore. Well, there there are some definitely tough ones, but like it wasn't an impressive practice. Right. Like I didn't post up any best times today, but I also got uh, a, a terrible amount of sleep last night because I was burning that business end candle. But I mean, there was a time where. I would have been at practice knowing that I didn't get sleep the night before and just like having that in my mind, I would have been in a lower energy state. I would have been in a lower frequency operating like not from a place of gratitude because things hadn't gone perfectly and because maybe I didn't manage my time properly the night before. This ran over, that ran over and I would come into it and then obviously I would have a poor performance and then I would come out of it beating myself up even more like, oh my God, like not only did you not finish your work on time, not only did you not go to bed on time last night and then not only did you just show up to practice, but you didn't even have like, I don't even know one good thing you did. Um, but now it's like, 
man, like it's beautiful day in Southern California. I'm here. I'm working with people that have, you know, a like mind and a like mission. I love what I do. I have the ability to do it. We're working at a goal. There's more than just today. I'll make up some sleep tonight, even though, right, you can't make up sleep. Like, I'm going to get a good night of rest tonight. So let me just, you know, enjoy this moment and this experience for what it is because life isn't perfect. So, I mean, I know that was a bit long winded, but, uh, that I, I think that's at the heart of it, you know. If finding gratitude sometimes is like can be a challenge. I think it can be a challenge, especially if it's not a practice. For me, what helped was really recalling the times that I fell off that ego horse. You know, like the times I'm like, no, I really my my stuff don't stink. I'm the man. And then it's like, oh, well, <laughs> I punched this ticket and I couldn't cash it. You know, so uh, that's it. That's my two cents on that. Well, I'm glad you brought up ego because what is a healthy sense of ego uh, versus just feeling really confident? I mean, people of, of, of color, we were kind of socialized in our families not to be braggadocious, not to be egotistical. And, and we've seen sometimes how that has worked against us where we're not as um, sometimes it it shows up in us feeling less confident or um, less or, or not being able to talk about ourselves in really positive ways. So it's interesting that you bring that up because I do understand that taking it to being egotistical yeah. is, is dangerous. But how do you find that healthy balance to be able to, to show up in, in business the way you should? Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to say something that maybe is not a popular idea here, but like egotistical. Yeah, that may be like the extreme, but like, you know, I don't think the ego has a place in this. Period. Uh, you know, like there's a difference between having pride in your work. You know what I'm okay. saying? Like, you know, like I take a lot of pride in my work. Nobody is swimming those laps for me. I take pride in that and I pull off of that pride and that work for confidence. You know, not, not that ego is inherently bad or, or evil. It's just that like there's a they like it's rooted in selfishness. And so like if it's rooted in selfishness, it can't possibly be abundant right because like the world and life and experiences are bigger than just us right we're just a drop in a bucket so i mean you know again that's just my two cents uh, i don't think i don't think it really has a place i think it's innate i think it's in all of us just like you know everything is in all of us and i think it's one of those things that falls to the side of you're constantly trying to combat this natural human tendency that is ego I don't think it's a matter of, oh, I just need to channel, I need to channel my ego. Like, this is one of those things you need to channel your energies to not be in your ego because that ego is pulling you away from the real you. It's putting you into the you that only has value based off of somebody else. It's putting you into the you that only has value if you do X, Y, Z exactly like this, that, and the other, um, which, which is not an empowered state to 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 grow in tokyo 2021 are you all set to go <laughs> amen to that listen no, i don't know how you want to interpret that laugh but <laughs> listen we're we're doing everything in our power that we can you know like the short answer is yes 
The short answer is yes. I'm set to go. Like we 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 put in the work. We visualize. Um, it's been a been a lot of great things, a lot of amazing things. Like you no, know, you know, obviously, like uh, being empathetic and my condolences to anyone that that uh, that lost family or lost, you know, some some great loss during the 2020 pandemic. But uh, you know, back back in 2020, early 2020, late 2019, man, like me and Wilma were praying, like, sheesh, what what would it take for us to get one more year of training before the games? You know, wow. one more year growth and development um you know so so in that way there is a seed of an equivalent benefit in that uh so definitely looking forward to it with that said um you know again speaking to ego and a lot of the just i think growth that i've experienced as a human over the past year is that you really can only do what you can do and you gotta have faith in everything else and be okay with it and so with that said you know like Right now, currently ranked number one in the nation, I think, for a couple events and, and top 10 in the world, definitely for one event, maybe two. Um, with that said, you know, that doesn't automatically punch my ticket to the Tokyo Paralympics. Being the Paralympics and not the, and the Olympics, um, one of the challenges that are out of our control, you know, so all the listeners shoot up some positive energy, shoot up some prayers surrounding this because, because we definitely believe in the, the power of the mastermind, um, is being internationally classified, which essentially means coming from before uh, an international board of doctors that put you into a specific category based upon your disability. Um, there's only a couple opportunities to get that done before Tokyo. And uh, at this present moment, um, we haven't, we, you know, uh, Team USA or in ourselves, just pretty much the situation of COVID and everything coming back around, everything being limited, that has not allowed us an opportunity um, to secure one of those. So we definitely need that in order to, to be eligible to go. And then, you know, obviously, just praying for everyone's safety. I know Japan just uh, announced that there will be no no international bystanders yes. or attendees allowed. And, you know, <laughs> I, have, I have great confidence in the IOC, the IPC, and, and the nation of Japan, you know, to, 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 to be careful and to, to take care of people's health. But at the same time, you know, same way I'm talking about what I can't control, they don't control a lot of things, right? Nobody controlled coronavirus. So with that said, should there be any type of uptick, uptick during the Olympics, um, that would obviously, you know, the Paralympics come after. So that would obviously, uh, have a negative impact on, on whether those games are even able to happen or not. So I'm ready. Uh, you know, I stay ready. So we don't got to get ready. Woman keeps me ready. Uh, we're, we're constantly evolving, uh, constantly fine tuning our plans. And believe me, we got a lot of plans. There are a lot of things. I don't want to say hinging on Tokyo. Um, but like, there are a lot of developments both in the pool athletically and out of the pool as a business that are definitely incorporating Tokyo um, as a given. And, you know, that's just a matter of acting off of faith, you know, like you you can't wait till the rain starts to build the ship, right? The ship's already got to be built. So uh, that that's where we are. Um, and as, as we get ready to wrap up, um, Wilma, I wanted to ask you, you know, what advice would you have for businesses who are trying to figure out how to fine tune where they are? You know, many businesses have had to had to make a lot of changes over this last year. We're seeing things open up again, but people are still trying to figure out um, how they move forward and how they can be progressive. And so what would be your advice to someone who's thinking about fine tuning their business or doing things a little differently right now? Well, you know, the 80, 20 rule, right? The 20% gives you 80% of your business. I, you really, I think that is 
I think to go back to that point that people talk about, like just go back to it's a, it's a, your 20% repeat customers that give you 80% of your business. Keep finding that for yourself and you, and look in an area where you are not really, uh, that may seem, seem out of the blue. Just be curious. I think be, keep, stay curious. It's just like Jamal said, like it's not even about the ego. It's like, how curious can we be to open to the possibilities? Rather than trying to find solutions, focus on the possibilities. What are the possibilities? Because I think sometimes when we're so focused on a solution to one of our problems, whether it be business or sport, that we get lost in so kind of tunnel vision. But if we said, okay, well, let's let's not look for solution. Let's just look at openings and possibilities. That's when that creative magic kind of happens for people. And then you might see something that you never have thought of, and then you pivot your business. And that's really where you're going to end up going. I mean, honestly, if you had asked me 10 years ago, if you were, and, and I say, okay, in the crystal ball, you're going to be coaching swimming and consulting with them. I would have said, you're crazy. I don't even do swimming. I mean, I swim, but like I wasn't coaching anybody in swimming at that time. But this is where my business has gone, right? And now I'm working with Team USA Artistic Swimming now, like kind of branching out to the artistic swimming world, which is synchronized swimming and and into other sports. And I think that only happens uh, when you are doing what you love. I mean, I moved from the movie industry into coaching sports, and really helping people mentally. And I couldn't imagine that's where I would have started. There were inklings of that happening because I'm just doing what I love. And what are you as a business person doing on your free time that you do without anybody telling you what to do? Maybe you look at the books more. Maybe it's maybe your hobby should become your business and pivot where nobody's telling you this is what you need to be doing and you just love doing it anyway. And so what, whatever it happens to be, keep awareness of what you do without anybody having to tell you what to do or pay you to do. And that could be where you pivot next. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. We are going to send up prayers and, and um, good feelings about Tokyo 2021. And the goal is to 2028. So that's a, that's a lot of planning. We hope to hear a lot from you in during that time. And uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, tell us how we can find you. Absolutely. Swim uphill. S-W-I-M up, like going upward. And then H-I-L-L as in my last name, Jamal Hill. Swim uphill. You type that into Google. You're going to get some results. You click on it. That's me. Okay. And Wilma? I'm at uh, WilmaWong.com or on Instagram, Healing with Wilma. Okay, great. Thank you. And for our listeners, please follow me at Sonia Aline on Instagram. And for the podcast, uh, please subscribe on Apple, iHeart, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Take care. Business First is hosted and produced by Sonia Aline. Associate producer, Lauren Turner. Edited by Ken Johnson. Executive producers, Omar Thompson, Andrew Kalb, and Ken Johnson. Find the Business First podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Business First podcast is a mean old line media and say it loud network production. 
Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.